The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Reverend Dan Beckett. And together we discuss the ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth on your recovery journey. If you're listening live, you're welcome to join the discussion with your comments or questions. You can call us right now or anytime during the show at 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555, and we would love to hear from you. And Facebook users, you can also message us during the show or anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. And just as with phone calls, your anonymity is always respected. So codependency is this insidious condition that can sabotage our efforts to help others. We're told we have to give it away to keep it. But how can we help others in a healthy way without losing ourselves? How can we maintain our own recovery and truly be helpful to others? Today, we want to share the path to peace and freedom through balanced self-care. When we get into recovery, we're told to do three main things, trust God, clean house, and help others. But what if our helping is really an attempt to change or fix others? How do we know the difference between being a helpful part of the community and being a fixer, also known as codependent, uh, as a distraction from our own inner work? So Lonnie, what is your experience with um codependence what does it look like what did it look like for you did slash does that's what i put on my notes (laughs) well you know i unfortunately have a long history with codependency only i didn't know that's what it was for a long time Uh, in fact until i uh, entered therapy i didn't even had never heard the term didn't know what we were talking about but um you know i basically was focusing on others rather than myself it was part of my growing up take care of others take care of your sisters take care of these take care of that you know and fix everybody else at at uh at the point of ignoring what was going on with me and so i found myself in recovery uh in in a 12 step program and and after several years i'd had all of this stuff happen you know life got worse i had uh, health challenges, bankruptcy, job loss, people dying, debilitating depression, and I wasn't getting any better emotionally. I was clean and sober, but I wasn't feeling any better, and I kept wondering, when is it going to get better? And the advice I was given was, well, keep coming back, 
trust God, clean house, and help others. Go find somebody to help. And that that just changed the direction of the codependency. Instead of helping everybody at work and my family and everybody else, now I'm just inflicting it upon the people in the program. Yes. Um, I also had the experience of a slow realization about what this codependency thing is and uh, where it shows up in me. You know, at first, uh, my introduction to the concept of codependence was, well, that's that's the person married to the alcoholic or the addict, right? The sort of two sides of the coin. And so, uh, therefore, uh, because I'm in addiction recovery substance oriented, I'm not a codependent. That's, that's that other person. Um, well, uh, after spending some time on this path, I begin to realize um, that, uh, in a way, I mean, we all carry some of it, but but for, from in my experience, I can only share my own experience, the, the ways it showed up in me was not not so much that idea that says, I'm, you know, I'm not okay unless you're okay. You know, sort of outward facing, like, uh, it, for me, it was very self-centered at its root. And it was, uh, you're doing it wrong. I, I need to tell you the right way to do it because you clearly don't know <laughs> the right way to do it. And that, in a sense, is the same kind of thing. But it showed up in me mainly as fixing more than helping, if that makes sense. Oh, it absolutely makes sense to me. I was told I was heroing, not helping. And I didn't understand the difference, you know, for a long time. And in fact, I read a book early on and I said, I don't get it. How come you call me codependent when I help somebody and you called Jesus, you called it love? You know, <laughs> I don't get it. What's the difference? It looks the same to me. And what I was missing was the motive. You know, my fixing other people was to get out of my own discomfort, some kind of discomfort. I didn't want to be where I was. I didn't want to think about what I was doing, exactly what you said. You know, somebody else needs to change for me to be okay. And, you know, so, and, and that was the heroing. I'm going to go in and save the day. I get to be the hero. Um, I'm not really helping when I'm doing that. And, and that was um, a similar experience that I had. You know, the codependency showed up um, for me in lots of different ways. Um, People pleasing was a big one. You know, uh, driven by fear. We talk about that a lot on this program, a hundred forms of fear. And driven by fear of abandonment, fear of not enough, fear of, of uh, no love, fear, 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 fear. You know, I would do whatever I thought you wanted me to do in order that you wouldn't leave me. And, and that was basically, I threw myself under the bus time and again. Instead of, instead of understanding what I needed to do for me, for my recovery, I was making sure that you were okay in yours. Right, because we don't want to be selfish. We're That's told right. that we're selfish and self-centered. Well, um, uh, so th this, this way of understanding codependence, I'm not okay unless you're okay, um, that one didn't resonate with me, but one way it showed up with me in me is I need you to act different because you're making me uncomfortable. So again, this is a very self-centered way of looking at it. Uh, you can do whatever you want, but don't do that because it makes me uncomfortable. That's the problem. I'm not, I'm not even pretending that I'm trying to help another person, but it's the same dynamic. It's that I, I need, I need that person to change so that I can feel okay. I mean, that my understanding that is at the core of codependency is that my, my okayness is somehow routed through what someone else is doing or not doing, whether it shows up as 
you know, whether I think that I'm some, you know, kind of compassionate uh, helper of all people or uh, like in in my case, it shows up as you're doing it wrong. You know, I need you to be different. You're making me nervous uh, the way that you're doing this or that. And again, it's it's kind of like a, a fixing thing more than a serving thing. I know that at its root, it is the very same motivation. You use the word motive. I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But I think it's a very same motive. It just showed up in me. That's one thing that kept me from understanding or making the connection uh, between uh, codependence and my own experience was that it kept being described in a way that I thought, oh, that's not me. I don't act like that. But then the light went on and I realized, oh, here's my take on that. It also can look like this. Absolutely. And you reminded me, um, you know, I was I was sharing about how I was told to go find somebody to help so I found somebody to help. The the more emotionally uh, strung out, I'll just put it that way, that I was about all these events and circumstances in my life, the more people I tried to help. I wasn't working at that point in time. My health was bad. So I was going to a couple meetings a day. And I, so I would find somebody to meet with in the morning. And then I'd go to a noon meeting. And then I'd meet with somebody in the afternoon. And then I'd take a long nap. And then I would go to an evening meeting. And so I was sponsoring up to 10 people a week doing it every day, you know, and, but it was the, but you're doing it wrong. No, this is what the book says. You got to do it my way. If you would just do what I say, you'd be fine. Look at me. You know, of course I couldn't see myself at that point in time, but even in my attempt to quote, pass it on the, the information, the process, the steps, whatever it was, I was um, engaging deeply in my own codependency. It really is insidious. It it sneaks into everything. It, it seems like it can show up with a bunch of different faces, so to speak, a bunch of different masks that manifests in different ways. Because what you just described to any outside observer, wow, what a great pr- program uh, Lonnie's working. Look at all these women that she's helping. But nobody knows that you know, part of us is saying, I need you to do this so that I can be okay. I need you to recover my way so that I can feel okay about my own recovery. That's the invisible part mm-hmm. in, in all of this, I think. You know, um, to, to sort of turn it upside down a, a different way, to get it at, at it, I learned uh, fairly recently even, and from you, uh, that question, did they ask? Did they ask for my help? And that really helps me to differentiate it. But if I want to get at what does codependency look like for me, I can turn that question around. It's like, what do they need to be asking me for? Did they ask? No, they didn't ask. Clearly, they don't even know enough to know that they're not doing it right. How are they going to ask? I'll kind of ask for them uh, because they don't know enough to ask. So let, let me go help them because clearly they have no idea what they're doing. And obviously... I know how to do this, right? So uh, I'll do them a favor and and go uh, straighten them out and and put them on the straight and narrow and inform them uh, of the way they need to be doing it. And again, that's that, you know, that secret or hidden sort of motive. Well, why? Why? Because I'm uncomfortable with the way they're doing it. And again, it, it always comes back to that. I need them to be different so I can be okay. One of the things that kind of turned the corner for me was understanding that it wasn't about them. It was about me. Just exactly what you're saying, that I'm uncomfortable about something. And then what behaviors was I doing that fed that? And a big one, a really, really big one for me was not knowing how to say no. 
in my codependency, if somebody asked, did they ask? Sure, they asked. Well, you know, oftentimes we're users. We use people. We manipulate. We scheme. We we try to get what we want. You know, try to get our needs met, and uh, we don't. We're unskillful at at um, healthy interactions and relationships. And so we're we're bargaining and we're scorekeeping and we're doing all of these kind of things to try to get what we need or what we think we need. And I would say yes when somebody would ask, not knowing that I should have said no. You know, and so I was building all these resentments. Oh, can you come to this? Can you do that? Could you give me a ride? Would you do this? Would you do that? You know, all of these kind of things. And I, okay, all right. Yeah, I can do that. Because I didn't have a structure, an internal structure that, or, a, or a, a support system within that would support my ability to say no, to evaluate where am I? Can I do this or not? It was purely a physical thing. If there's money in my pocket and you asked me for some, I gave it to you because I didn't know how to walk through the judgment of whether that was good or not. So learning to say um, no when I meant no instead of saying yes and then having to call later and go, well, I can't do that or back out or gee, I'm sick or, you know, all of those kind of things, um, you know, that just created a whole cascade of issues in my life, not being able to say no. One way, and and this was a little surprising and and I had to really step back and and in order for this to come up is that one way it showed up in me is I would avoid people so that I could avoid being irritated that they didn't know what they were doing and that they you know clearly needed to be doing it differently so to to avoid the discomfort rather than you know engaging the person in sort of a direct expression of codependent like here let me help you with that or or here's a book about that or whatever i i would hide from it so that i didn't have to if that makes sense oh it absolutely makes sense but now that we know about this challenge of codependence what is the solution in unity we affirm that the natural state of all creation is balance but we can get out of balance through distortions in our thinking patterns and in unity we call this error thought Error thought is any idea that is contrary to the truth of God. And this error thought is what prevents us from fully expressing our divine nature. In a sense, it keeps us out of balance, and that's never a good place to be. So if our efforts to help others are not balanced with staying healthy ourselves, then we're just digging ourselves into a different kind of hole that we then have to find a way out of. The solution to avoiding this trap is balanced self-care, and that's what we want to focus on today. But how do we tell the difference between healthy helping and codependent helping? How do we find our way to balanced self-care, and what does it look like when we find it? Dan, you would share some of your experience along those lines? You know, what came to mind first, and I realize now, um, thinking about this, that this certainly took some time to develop, but what balanced being in balance in this way or what a healthy self-care looks like for me is really trusting my inner voice if it says that i need to rest you know if if it says um it's time to step back and recharge for a while to know that that's true to not have to question it to not start looking for other motivations but to um be in touch enough with that um you know, that inner voice, I think of it, that divine 
presence, that gut instinct. You know, we talk about having three centers of intelligence, our thinking mind, our heart, in our gut. I'm talking about that gut, that knowing. You just know. Don't even know how you know. But learning to trust that. So self-care looks like trusting that when it shows up. You know, for me, I didn't have a clue about what healthy self-care looked like. So I was taught. And the first thing that I was taught was to take care of the basics, physical basics, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and sick. Am I in, and we call it HALT, you know, in the program. So I had all these external indicators to, to train me to go, oh, how long has it been since I ate? How long, how much sleep did I have last night? Do I need a nap? I was so out of tune with my own body, let alone my gut, that I was unable to check in and know. I had to look at my watch and go, it's been six hours, it's time to eat, you know, or I worked all night, I need a nap. And, and so, you know, paying attention to those things was, were examples of how I got on the path to healthier self-care. And so when somebody would ask me to do something, I check in, have I eaten, you know, have I had enough sleep, you know, am I angry, am I lonely, am I tired, what, what's going on with me before I would answer. And that was a start for me. One thing I learned to do along the way, and this, you know, this took time and of course, as with a lot of our um, recovery, it's it's still unfolding. You know, the story is still unfolding. But learning to check my motives, you know, in, in a sense to step back, like you said, um, with your this that helpful checklist that you just outlined about have I eaten enough? Have I seen you know what's going on? It's kind of like um, that reminds me of a if we do a body scan, you know, sometimes if we're doing a meditation body, my is my shoulder are my shoulders tense, you know, or is my jaw tense? Just kind of checking in with stuff. So I had to check in with why am I doing this or not doing this? Is this really um, and 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 I just had to go by feel. You know, is this just showing up to be helpful for no reason other than to be helpful, you know, to give back? Or is this because I'm trying to avoid something or is this because I'm trying to get something that I want? Does it have, you know, what the Buddhists call striving uh, behind it as a striving or a grasping kind of energy? And, and once I learned what to look for, it became a lot easier to detect uh, if it was one or the other. Now, it, it's not as if I could see it clearly every single time, but just l the concept of learning to check my motives, even if I was clumsy at it at first, was super helpful. And I found that I could do that um, once directed to. You know, I, I, it's not something I was used to thinking about, but when I was prompted to think about it, I found that, yeah, I, I could actually tell. I, I didn't have to go get a degree in order to be able to discern uh, my motives with some practice, you know, over time. Yeah, and that's an important one for me, the motives. Um, that was, you know, we talk a lot about awareness. You know, I had to become aware that I was doing this and that these were my patterns. Uh, and an example is lonely. What was I doing when I was lonely? Well, I was either eating, you know, or I was going to go hang out someplace. And so I'd show up early at the at the Friday night meeting at the buffet or whatever. And I'm first in line at the at the buffet line. You know why? 
because I'm lonely, not because I need to eat again. You know, I mean, it was, I, I found myself going, well, why am I doing that? And then finding those kind of answers. Oh, I'm trying to solve, as we've talked before, an internal problem with an external solution, and it never has worked. You know, and so one of the things you mentioned it was to pause, you know, to check in. Well, my pause looked like a pause before answering and pray or, or do a delay tactic. And one of my, again, one of my sponsors, I've had many, but one of my sponsors uh, said to me, why don't you put a sticker in your pocket um, calendar that you carry and just say, let me check my calendar. Anytime somebody asks you to do something. And on that sticker, I want you to write in big letters the word no. <laughs> and that gave me enough of a space, that pause that we talk about, for a new idea to come in. Do I really want to do this? Is this something I can do? How am I feeling about this? You know, all that mental chatter that goes on while I'm looking at my calendar and I see the answer there is no. But it made me pause and consider. And today I don't have to have that sticker on my calendar. <laughs> you know, today I can go... Let me think about it. When do you need to know? And I can get back to you later. Practice. Yes. Everything's a practice, is it not? I'm realizing that in a sense, uh, you and I have come from opposite experiences because the answer that leaps out of my mouth to the question, do you want to or can you, is no. I, I don't even need them to finish what they're asking about. It's just the way I'm wired. You know, it's part of, uh, I talk about the fact that I'm an Enneagram 5. And part, a big aspect of an Enneagram 5 is we're trying to protect resources, right? Because we've had our boundaries trampled and we need to, like, protect our time and all that. So, no, I'm not doing that. And then, well, what is it? You know, let me think <laughs> about it uh, uh, later. So, um, and I'm also realizing as we talk that, my answer to the question, what does balanced self-care look like, is very much, uh, you know, a product of my particular personality. And and those of you who are listening, you might have a very, very different uh, definition of balanced self-care. But know that my idea or, or the ways that I need to balance are coming from the perspective of a most assuredly introverted person. And so self-care for me almost always looks like doing nothing when I need to recharge, you know, from being out in the world. Like even if I uh, often say do something like go to the grocery store with my spouse, that's no problem. I can do that. But I notice even after being out in the town for an hour running errands out in traffic, I have got to take 10, 15 minutes of silence in order to kind of recover from that. Because if I don't, um, I risk being irritated for the rest of the day just because of all that input, you know, as an introvert. Now, I'm perfectly capable of being out in the world and doing things and standing in front of a group of people and leading a workshop, and that's no problem. Uh, I just need to balance it with downtime, and downtime for me almost always looks like silence. I learned that a few years ago when I turned off the TV and I turned off the radio and you know that that I felt so much better not just because of not being um, inundated with ideas I then had to process but just to have a safe space in which to recuperate um, it's just such an energy 
suck. I'll just say it that way, you know, to be out in the, the, the worldly clamors of the world, you know, the din of the world sometimes. And, you know, so part of self-care for me looks like asking for what I need. Not assuming that somebody can tell that I'm becoming overwhelmed, not assuming that somebody's going to know, oh, it's been an hour, we better go home or whatever, but being able to say, you know what, this isn't working for me, I need to leave, whether we're at a party or whatever. And the other person doesn't have to do anything different than they're doing. But for me to take care of me, I have to know what my limits are and to say, this isn't working for me, I need to do something different and I need to ask for what I need. And that's been a big one. You know the the very next idea that occurred to me is 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 that if I overcompensate with what I usually need to do uh, to balance is alone time and quiet time, well, I can do too much of that too. So one thing that uh, balanced self care can look like is kind of like you're saying, reaching out to others when that's what I need to do. If I've been home too long, you know, too many hours, too many days or whatever, without really, you know, maybe getting in a recovery meeting or, you know, go- going, there's a meeting around here that has this wonderful buffet uh, and then a speaker or a few speakers actually, you know, getting into that environment if I've been separated from it for too long. It's, it's, it's I would say almost, it is the opposite. And so staying in balance is, you know, if I've been, if I've been out in the world, as you're just saying, as an introvert, I need to, I need to pull back and recharge. But if I spend too much time pulled back, I need to reach out and reconnect with people. It's not good for me to be disconnected uh, from the world for too long. Yeah, I think we call that isolating. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm good that, at it. Yeah. And that's um, that's something that I had to learn the balance of. And that's where I really kind of started learning to listen to my intuition or my gut about, you know, oh, I've been here. A while. I didn't I quit looking at the clock and it's just like, you know what? It's almost time for a meeting. I think I'm going to go. I didn't plan on going, but it's a safe place to go. There's a group of people there. They know me. I know them, you know, and it's it's a place where I cannot be overwhelmed. It's predictable. And I, I can interact, but, and it's a defined time frame. I know how long I'm going to be there and then, you know, how much energy I'm going to expend in it. And so that became more of a natural rhythm for me after I practiced that for a while. Another way that um, for me has been big in self-care is to stay out of other people's business. Mind my own business. You know, I had this habit of, uh, so-and-so was having this kind of a problem. Oh, I wonder what they're going to do about that. Oh, I ought to call them. Oh, gee, I could, I could make some suggestions. I, you know, and whether I ever made that phone call or not, the mental chatter was I was in their business, you know, and of course that can engender boundary violations where I'm, you know, calling and asking questions that are none of my business and, and other people feel violated and, you know, getting out of that is a big piece of self-care for me because then I only have my own stuff going on in my head. It's that hula hoop. That's, That's what I'm right. hearing, the hula hoop, staying in our own hula hoop. Well, hold that idea because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'd love to hear from you as we continue the conversation. The phone number to dial is 816-251-3555. And please stay with us.
All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and I'm here with Reverend Dan Beckett. We'll resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to let you know that the phone lines are open. So if you have a question or comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555. So prior to the break, we were discussing codependence, or what we might call unhealthy helping and the ways that it showed up in in our individual experience, and also talking about balanced self-care, which is kind of the solution, if you will, to the challenge of codependence. What does that look like? So, Lonnie, now that we know about this challenge of codependency and that the solution is balanced self-care, how exactly does using that kind of self-care help us to come to peace and freedom in our lives? What, what What does that progression look like for you? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that um, I would rephrase the question to be how 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 can I show up in a healthy way in the world, you know, without uh, without these codependency tendencies. And the first thing that I think about is instead of telling people things, offering solutions, trying to fix them, all the things that we've done before, is I learned to listen. And in listening, um, I'm listening for different things. I'm not listening for how are they doing it wrong. I'm listening for how are they feeling. I'm listening for what is that psychic pain that they're talking about. I'm listening for is there a way that I might be helpful in this. And in listening without offering solutions, as we know from unity theology, people have their own answers inside of them. And if you listen to somebody talk long enough, they arrive at the answer that's right for them. In a sense, and and what I feel like I'm part of at least what I'm hearing from you is this is yet again a matter of getting out of my own way. That I I don't create peace and freedom. I stop doing the things that are blocking the peace and freedom that's uh, already there. And in this case, what are those things? Those things are what we call codependency, focusing on other people, not being comfortable unless they're doing what I want them to do, et cetera. Um, but one way that, that this looks to me, and, and again, I like what you said, it's how, you know, how can I show up in the world in a healthy way is a wonderful way to look at this. Um, and I know that one thing that I need to do, so I, I'm a church pastor, on Sunday mornings, uh, we have several activities at church. There's a meditation, there's a, a book study, and then there's a service. And after the service, we always have food and conversation. And it's a wonderful uh, place to be. I love it. Um, but when I do that, I need to then recharge afterwards because that's a lot of out in the world, a lot of interactive time. And even though I love doing it and I want to always be doing it, I know enough now to know that I better balance that. I better not wake up Monday morning and think I'm going to dive into, you know, some kind of a work project or something. And so I have this phrase, Monday is my Sunday. And I repeat that Monday is my Sunday. Monday is my Sabbath day. And what Sabbath means to me, or I call it my do nothing day. You know, I avoid shoulds. 
I don't put anything on my calendar. I, and, and even though I've been doing this for a while, I still find I have to remind myself today it's okay. Whatever you do or don't do, it, it doesn't matter. There are no shoulds. There are no have tos. There are no, oh, I better get this done, right? I better get that done. And it's not easy to let go of all. It's taken me a lot of practice. I mean, as much, doesn't it sound like a wonderful idea to have a day where you don't have to do anything? It's completely open to wherever the spirit leads. Well, it's not that easy, I found, because of such a habit of, oh my gosh, I better get this done. Or, you know, let me get rid of those emails so I don't have to have them weighing on my mind and this and that and this and that. But I need that day. I need it in order to recover. And so in answering that question that you said, how can I show up in a healthy way in the world and be helpful to others, I better take my downtime when I need it. Because if I don't, I can't show up for others. I can't. That reminds me of a phrase we hear in the program, too, that says you can't give it away if you don't have it, you know, and uh you know, and it, and, and it took a while for me to understand that I had to take care of myself first um, before I could actually be helpful to somebody else. And one of the ways that um, I, I finally learned this was that I had to know my own limitations. And I was in the black and white thinking mode. I could always do this or never do that. And I have learned over time that it's in the moment in this moment, how am I feeling? In this moment, do I have the energy? In this moment, is this mine to do? Um, you know, what are my limitations? I, when I had that cancer experience, I, my brain would commit to 50 things. And my body would go, what? You want to do what? <laughs> you know, and I finally got them in sync. It took about five years before I would go, oh, let's see. Now, how am I feeling, really? Instead of, well, I should be able to do that. You know, you mentioned the shoulds. You know, and so not overcommitting is a big one for me as far as self-care. I can show up more effectively in the world and be there for other people when I have not overcommitted. One way that... that um showing up in a healthy manner looks for me is it it looks like and in a sense we've been talking about this it looks like understanding and accepting what it means for me to be an introvert so i know i know what my dynamic is because i've spent the time you know basically listening that in a sense that's what our our meditation, our mindfulness meditation is observing, listening, watching, paying attention. Um, I know what I need. And so showing up in a healthy way means not only understanding, but accepting and then acting on uh, the reality uh, of the way that I, I always think of it as the way that, you know, my brain is wired or the way that I'm wired. And, and this is another time where What's right and good for me could be just the opposite for somebody else. Now, you can't say, oh, uh, Reverend Dan said that in order to recharge, you have to have a lot of time in silence. Well, for an extrovert, that's terrible advice. An extrovert, of course, needs to turn within and say, what, you know, where, how I, can I feel my way through this? Where am I out of balance? What do I need to do? I mean, I need to go to a place and talk to a bunch of people and then I'll feel recharged. Um, and so th this it's it's I find it's critical to avoid the trap of comparing. Like, well, why can't I 
accomplish this, 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 and this because that other person did. Well, that has nothing to do with it. You know, that's just another way for me of, of focusing my attention on what someone else is doing instead of, you know, minding my hula hoop, so to speak, asking myself, well, what is within my circle? Forget about what they're doing or not doing. Uh, what's going on with me? As you said, what's going on with me in this moment? You know, how am I feeling now? Am I out of balance? What, what is it that I need to come into balance? And one of the things that helped me was focusing on me was to ask myself, we talked about motives, am I operating from principle or personality? And I realized that a lot of my codependency is tied up in operating from personality. You know, well, it's my sister. Well, it's my mother. Oh, it's my best friend. Oh, I can't turn them down. You know, if it was a stranger, would I do the same thing? Well, no. You know, and so being able to uh, focus on what is the principle I want to to work from here, you know, and and uh, putting that into action in my life was very helpful in keeping me in my own lane or in my hula hoop, as you say, you know, to to figure out, you know, is there are there personalities involved? And I have a pretty simple test, and we've talked about it before. I put substitute all those people's names, and if the answer is the same, would I go if it was my mom asking me? Would I go if it was my sister? Would I go if it was my worst enemy? If the answer is the same for all of it, then it's probably out of principle, you know. But if I'm changing my answer depending on who's asking me, then I'm I'm operating out of principle or out of personality, and I'm probably people pleasing. That's where that shows up for me. Another way I realize, and this in a sense is a corollary to what I was just sharing, because as I consider this, there's really only one or two um, large uh, elements that are in play for this for me. When we talk about how is, how is, how is being balanced in my self-care allowing me the peace and the freedom to show up um, uh, for others in appropriate ways? Well, one way it looks like is, is learning to drop any guilt that I might be feeling over taking time apart when I need to take time apart. You know, that, that voice that some of us have in our heads that, that says almost any time, well, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing that. Or how come you're doing this when that's undone? You know, well, it took me a long time in a sense to realize that, and this, it was easier to see in like in professional work life. I will never get the to-do list done. It's not possible. It's a matter of priority. You know, which things are at the top of the list right now? Those are the things that my attention go to. I could sit down and if I'm thinking, you know, like ideally, what are all the things that would get done? I can make a giant list that no person could ever accomplish. And if that's what I'm comparing myself to, then I'm always going to be in trouble. Now, I'm always going to be feeling less than or feeling guilty about what I'm not doing. So I had to learn to drop any sense of guilt over taking time apart when I need to do it and to realize this that this is the right thing to be doing. I need to put this on my to-do list, you know, along with all those other activities. You know, one of the things that um, I, I had to do to find this peace and freedom was to recognize my own insanity. I had to understand what my patterns looked like, and I got to this through both therapy and through the, the steps, 
you know what what triggered this people pleasing what triggered this this uh repeating this same behavior expecting different results you know because i could i've got it under control in this situation but over here same thing shows up and i don't know why you know i don't recognize it i don't understand it and so you know recognizing my insanity as it's happening has kept me out of a, a lot of other people's business and a lot of the codependent behaviors that i used to have uh, an example is anytime I can finish a sentence in my head with the phrase, because this time it'll be different, I know that I'm on the wrong track. And that is always an indication that I need to go get a reality check. And I don't count on my own um, wherewithal at that moment. I call somebody. I ask somebody. I say, what do you think? This is what's going on. This is what, how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I want to do. What do you think? And almost always I'm not on track, <laughs> you know, when, when I can finish it with, because this time it'll be different. That's a pattern for me that, that indicates I'm off into la la land. A trusted advisor. That's the phrase that comes to mind, you know, in, in uh, recovery circles, we might call that a sponsor, but I think uh, after a while, after we've been on this path for a while, we probably actually have a a collection of trusted advisors, mm -hmm. you know, people who are companions, if you will. We may also have a sponsor, of course, but we may have companions that are walking this path with us that, um, you know, as we say, we can all have a bad day, but fortunately we don't do it on the same day. So if I'm really struggling, you might be very balanced. And so, you know, you would be a wonderful person to check with or vice versa, you know, depending on what's going on. So we talk about uh, peace and freedom and you know, that, that is a descriptor of the life I want to be leading. I want, I want to lead a life that's characterized by peace and freedom. And for me, one place that peace comes from, if you will, is not fighting the need to rest. You know, this, this, this whole dynamic of codependent and balancing with self-care is always, a, it seems to keep coming back to the same Thing, but there's so many paths back to it. Like I just shared about, you know, dropping guilt over not taking time apart. Well, this one's different, not fighting the need. That's not dropping the guilt. That's resisting, um, you know, saying, oh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't feel like resting when I need to rest. And so one source of peace is learning to recognize that and to not fight, uh, not to fight it when, when my gut is saying, look, uh, it's really time to rest, to not argue with it. You know, I am reminded, <laughs> I was talking earlier about the calendar that I used to carry. Well, the next iteration of that was that I, I would print out the calendar and I would make grids on it. And I would, I thought balance looked like this, that I spent this many hours a week with my family and I spent this many hours a week at work and I spent this many hours a week in, in doing program work and I spent this much time doing um, step work and I had it all laid out on a grid and I didn't understand why I still didn't didn't feel better. You know, I was trying to manage from the outside. I had not yet learned how to tune in to that exactly what you were talking about. What's your gut saying? What do you, what do you feel like you need? Um, you know, and, and so that's, that was a really big one for me. I had to start someplace and that was the place that I started, but to find out what, what is balance? You know, I need less meetings some weeks and more meetings another time you know i need more silence one week and a little bit less the next week you know um how much uh, prayer and meditation do i need i have a practice 
but I don't make it a rigid practice where every morning for this amount of time I spend, you know, doing this particular activity. Uh, some people do, and I get that, but I have learned to go with the flow. So for me, the peace and the freedom comes from going with the flow, my flow, with what, with what works within me. I think that's absolutely uh, it. And I was just thinking uh, another source of peace and the way that that it came to mind for me is knowing what's right and doing that, you know, knowing what is the right thing to do or not to do, you know, sometimes not doing is the, uh, the, the next right thing. And an example of this came up recently where, uh, it was a couple Sundays ago, um, and I was all prepared for church, even had my clothes out the night before and, and everything. Um, and I woke up on Sunday morning uh, at 6.30 when I need to wake up, and I didn't feel very well. And, and I had this conversation in my head about, um, well, are you, are you really don't feel well? You just think you don't feel well. Are, are you sure that you're sick or, or you just don't want to go? And so you're you're uh, playing up this idea of being sick. And so it was really, I was sitting in this weird space where I did not feel like I was in touch with my gut. Um, I realized that I was, that I just wasn't listening because what I did in my mind, I thought, okay, well, what if I go, what does that look like? Well, I'm going to get up and then, and I'm going to get cleaned up and then I'm going to, you know, make some coffee and then I'll get my stuff together and I'll get in the car and I'll drive to church, you know, all the steps that I would take. And as, when I was thinking about that, I realized there is no way, there is no way I'm doing that. I can't do that right now. And that's when I knew that, yeah, I was sick. I do need to make a phone call or to text some people here. But that, you know, that conflict inside of me, uh, even though in a sense I knew what was going on. And another way I, that was kind of a clincher is I thought, when is the last time? You know, I do this every Sunday. How many Sundays have I woken up and had this conversation in my head? One other time in the last nearly three years. And I was sick that day too. Just the very fact that I'm having this weird conversation in my head, that itself means there's something going on that I need to pay attention to. Because every other Sunday, just like this past Sunday, the alarm goes off, boop, I'm up, I'm doing, you know, I'm not even thinking about anything. I'm just ready to go. That's what happens on Sunday, but not the Sunday I was sick. But it wasn't a simple thing. It's It was just so weird to me. It really stood out. I'm reminded that they told us, you know, if you're sitting around wondering if you're alcoholic or addict, you probably are because people that aren't don't sit around wondering that. Well, you know, if you're wondering if you're sick, you probably are, you know, and and so that doubt is really the, the inner critic and the doubter, you know, are really um, they can really sabotage this for me because I have this overdeveloped power of strength, this perseverance, Mm -hmm. this I'm going to do it if it kills me. And many times in my life, it almost has, you know. Um, And so, you know, learning to know, it goes back again to my own limitations, that if I have this doubt, maybe I need to check it out. That was something I think a therapist told me, if in doubt, check it out. You know, ask somebody else, take your temperature, you know, um, you know, do what you need to do to figure out what's going on. And, uh, you know, getting these reality checks that I talked about. You know, a, a big one for me is seeking seeking guidance. 
prayer and meditation. And I'm not talking about setting aside time. I do that. But I'm talking about as things come up during the day. And it talks about that in the program literature. It talks about, you know, when the tangles of the day arise that we pause and we ask for guidance. And once I've done that for a while, I begin to um, intuit, I'll say it that way, the, what's the next thing I need to do to take care of me in this situation. I had a sponsor who put it a different way. He said, they're fine doing what they're doing. What do you need to do for you? And, and that's the one that comes to mind whenever I'm in one of those doubtful situations. They're fine. They can have church. They're fine. They can do this, whatever. What do you need to do for you to get the focus back on me? Because my codependency will redirect my attention. I have found great freedom in not spending energy trying to fix things I can't fix. And, and maybe I can't fix it because I don't know anything about it. Or maybe I can't fix it because it's none of my business. I might think I know exactly what to do, but the quote, can't fix it part here is that's none of my business. That's outside my hula hoop. I need to let those people, just like you said, they're fine doing what they're doing. And if I can let that go, there's a tremendous amount of freedom in that because now all the energy that I was about just about to spend in my head, even if I'm only literally doing it in my head, you know, you've had, have you had conversations or arguments in your head and they said this, and I would say, you know, instead of spending all that time focused on something that I either didn't know how to fix or realize it's none of my business, it's not mine to do, uh, just leaves like, like we were saying before, it clears the deck and then freedom is simply present after that. I don't need to manufacture freedom. I just need to stop doing the things that are preventing it from coming up and, you know, stop spending energy on things that are a, none of my business. Did they ask? No. Do you know anything about that? No. You know, there are a lot of ways that I could say no to trying to get myself involved in some situation outside myself that uh, is really not mine to do. That's a kind way to put it. It's not mine to do. AKA it's none of my business. <laughs> so I'm I'm thinking that one of the freedoms I've attained is freedom from fear and freedom from resentment and that in and of itself gives me a measure of peace and and part of that um is by doing the things I need to do to take care of myself i.e. to stay out of the unhealthy codependent relational situations people pleasing and things of that nature I am not forming all these resentments of how I can't do this because you did that. I can't take care of myself because you've committed all my time. You scheduled this. We, you know, we've got tickets to that. We, you know, we've got something every night this week. And, you know, I, I have choices and I need to remember that. And, and when I remember that I have choices and that I made a choice and I can make a different choice given new information as in, you know what, this isn't going to work for me. I get to make a different choice, a new choice, then I don't have to form these resentments and, and have this anger which undermines the relationships in my life. That gives me a measure of both freedom and peace. Absolutely. And, and, and I think for me, sort of the ultimate expression of this is realizing this is not about me. This has nothing to do with me. That keeps me from getting upset, say, about um, you know what other 
religious groups or denominations are doing about what's going on in politics. It'd be very easy for me to get all wound up on what's going on in politics when I realize this is not about me. I don't need to stick myself right in the middle of this situation and be upset because it's not going the way I want it to go. But let us shift gears now and move into action. Unity's fifth principle states, it's not enough to know these truths, we must live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something you can do to move from unhealthy helping or codependence to peace and freedom through balanced self-care. Think of a way in which you might be trying to fix somebody else. Do you have a friend or a relative that's got an addiction issue and maybe you're trying to save them? Do you need other people on the recovery path to always do things your way? Or perhaps you just tend to focus on others, taking their inventory, so to speak, instead of doing your own inner work. What's important is to pick one thing, something simple, to focus on for this exercise. Because you can take what we do here today into your life this week and return to it anytime you'd like in order to find some peace. So let's use the example of trying to save someone else who has addiction issues. Use a statement of power or what we refer to in unity as a denial to deny any power to codependence. You could say something like, I am not responsible for fixing other people's problems. Repeat that a few times in your head or say it aloud and say it with conviction. I am not responsible for fixing other people's problems. And follow that up immediately with a bold, positive affirmation of a new experience. You could say, I'm healed by the divine presence within, and I help others with authenticity and integrity. And then take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. You don't have to struggle. Just give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. Once again, I'm not responsible for fixing other people's problems. I'm healed by the divine presence within, and I help others with authenticity and integrity. So we've come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope that you've found something that'll help you on your recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Dan Beckett, for the discussion, and thank you to all who are listening to this podcast via the many platforms available. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, once again, Spirit of Recovery, to give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.